Hi, welcome to episode 55 of SAP Cloud Platform Monthly Podcast. I'm Sandy Ling. I'm here with my colleague Carl Kessler. And Carl, I learned that you just came back from your vacation, right? Hi, Sandy. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. It's been a nice time, but now back to business. Oh, okay. Back to reality. <laughs> okay, so before we get into our topic, could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. So I've been around uh, with SAP for quite some years. Uh, I'm responsible for the product management of the ABAP platform and and, in particular for the SAP Cloud Platform ABAP environment. And I'm taking care of all of the rollout and positioning activities. Yeah. So can you guess what we are going to talk about later? It's ABAP in the cloud. Yay! And with SAP Cloud Platform ABAP environment, and we know customers and partners have the opportunity to develop and run custom ABAP code in the cloud manner. Decoupled from the digital core S4HANA, and what are the major benefits to leverage our existing ABAP know-how to develop and run ABAP application in the cloud? I think the big advantage is actually there's so much knowledge out there and so much code base out there. It's a very natural need customers and partners want to take the existing assets and skills and move them towards the cloud and towards SAP HANA. I think that's very natural. But let's make a quick recap. We introduced this service last week uh, in September. So since that time, we have now onboarded 50 customers and partners. That means the environment is live and the service is there. And we managed the full life cycle for our customers and partners. So they don't have to deal with all of the operational tasks, day-to-day tasks, and uh, they can really work on top of the cloud platform, develop their own stuff. They yeah. could start from scratch yeah. or try to import existing code base mm-hmm. uh, into the environment. Yeah. Uh, and as we all know, this takes some work. That means you need to adopt the code, but we give you some tools at hand so that you can analyze the existing code and, and therefore we try, and to, mm-hmm. uh, try to adapt the, yeah. the code step by step. Yeah. Of course, we encourage our customers and partners also to really take the latest features, so yeah. really put the focus full on HANA. Yeah. And as we all know in cloud, not everything is allowed. That means mm-hmm. you have stricter checks yeah. and you want to really leverage uh, cloud capabilities mm-hmm. and also cloud qualities yeah. into your existing apps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds cool. And where can our developers, if they want to, you know, adapt the code or they want to learn how to develop um, in the cl- like up up in the cloud, and where can they find the learning tools or like learning journeys? Absolutely. So I think um, it was an interesting experience from last year. Take it that we started with this UpSpace experience. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, UpSpace, uh, people might know that. Uh, we have those developer tutorials. Yeah. They give you a step-by-step instruction and, and introduction into a topic. And we yeah. have now more than 30 tutorials out there mm-hmm. that give each and everybody developer in a problem-specific way access to the to the environment. Mm-hmm. And they can train their skills. For example, they could build a small uh, web application with yeah. theory templates. So that's pretty much being offered through our learning journey approach yeah. with those tutorials. But we also offer what we call the developer expert pages that you mm-hmm. find on sap.com when you go to the developer section yeah. and then focus on the other platform. We have yeah. forums, of course, where you can ask questions. Yeah. And there's a lot of other uh, resources out there. Yeah. All, of, all of them is free. And that means uh, you have free access to those resources. We really want to yeah. invite 
develop community also to yeah. engage and to exchange information yeah. and to post their issues so that it can be solved rather quickly. Yeah, yeah. So we won't leave you alone, like developing up, right? We are totally with you. And absolutely. if you want to find more, um, like, uh, more comprehensive uh, knowledge, and you can also uh, try to uh, search like sap.com, like under the developer pages, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. I think that would be the right uh, approach and right yeah. spot. Okay. Cool. Cool. And could you also explain like what is ABAP programming model? And how you know the developers can reuse the framework or embed the existing code and generate the list view automatically? That's that's a very important question. So yeah. I think many developers out there will ask similar things. Yeah. So uh, what we um, have brought to the market, we started already in premise, but now with the cloud, it's really our full focus is we introduced what we call the upper restful program model. Mm-hmm. And the other restful program model actually centers around the idea to give yeah. you a model-driven approach yeah. to build your applications yeah. that should, on the one hand side, um, uh, add uh, user experience based yeah. on the Fiora technology and on the other hand side being, op- being optimized for the SAP HANA uh, underlying data platform and database system. Mm-hmm. And um, the restful program model, the other restful program model tries to sort of add to our notion of core data services, which has been around for a couple of years and which is well adopted by customers and partners, it tries to add also what we call the transactional capabilities Mm -hmm. to this um, data model. So CDS, in a sense, is is a view approach. It means you define views and uh, views that are uh, related to each other by means of associations and uh, a couple of other artifacts. But uh, this has a more traditional analytical perspective. Yeah. And uh, the, um, our RESTful program model yeah. adds behavior mm-hmm. to those views. That means um, logic is being added, yeah. logic for transactional inserting, deleting, and updating yeah. tasks. And also maintain the relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of a simple, uh, say, travel scenario where you have travel requests on one hand side yeah. and you have bookings, there's a natural relationship between those entities. Mm-hmm. It's kind of composition or dependency yeah. or association. And that's also being actively managed mm-hmm. by this underlying model. Mm-hmm. Now, what we try to do is, uh, we, when we started the service in September last year, we started with what we call the unmanaged yeah. approach. Scenarios. That means yeah. the unmanaged mm-hmm. scenario. And the unmanaged scenario gives you a means to build a skeleton uh, of your data model, but incorporate as much as possible of your existing code base. That means if you have written an update function module uh, earlier on, also in the classical on-premise world, you're in a good position to re-embed this type of logic into this uh, um, uh, program model skeleton, if you will. Now we found out that uh, in those cases where customers want to bring in the code bases from existing environments. That's a very natural approach. was also the approach yeah. for some of our application developers. On the other hand side, we also see a lot of customers doing mm. net new development. Right. They yeah. start really from scratch. Yeah. And they want to have a fast startup. They want to yeah. prototype quickly. Yeah. They don't want to write all the uh, pieces uh, from the very beginning, yeah. doing each and every insert and update mm-hmm. on their own. Yeah but rather let the framework take care mm-hmm. of what should happen if an update operation or update 
yeah. um, uh, process is started, yeah. or what should happen if I want to create, for example, dependent objects. Yeah. And this is being fully managed, yeah. as the name suggests, by the program model. So we introduce what we call the managed scenario yeah. that takes a lot of the coding burden yeah. off the shoulders of the developers yeah. and rather give them the freedom to focus on the particular business needs. Yeah, like business um, critical cases. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, exactly. cool. But there's still uh, just to, to... But they still have the flexibility to develop on their own, right? It's just not like they will uh, stop everything from scratch and they can reuse the framework. Absolutely, they can yeah. reuse the framework, they can reinsert the, also, the, the, or they can refine the logic wherever mm -hmm. needed. So yeah. the framework is not, let's say, sophisticated enough in terms of it cannot predict what you would like to do in a particular situation. Mm -hmm. You could also add your custom logic, no question. Yeah. But uh, especially the initial steps are mm -hmm. much faster yeah. because, say, a standard create, yeah. read, update, or delete operation is simply yeah. taken care of by the framework. Yeah, yeah. And we can also like be agile and benefit from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. And can you also give our listeners a glimpse of ABAP Outlook and what are the fusion innovations in the roadmap? Absolutely. So I think um, there are multiple, uh, we try to manage really uh, the roadmap in a quarterly fashion so yeah. that uh, customers and partners always can foresee the next quarterly shipment on the mm -hmm. one hand side yeah. and then also the bigger perspective, say yeah. a year from now. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and you know, we have this cycle of uh, developing and delivering uh, each quarter a new version yeah. and after four versions to between September, then we deliver the on-prem version as a, as a summary, as a Accumulated delivery of all of the cloud innovations. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot on sm smaller capabilities that we'll add over time. For example, yeah. we just recently added uh, dynamic SQL and mm -hmm. dynamic uh, programming um, capabilities to the to the framework. But there's also bigger investments. Yeah. Um, where we have uh, to take uh, care that the platform is really able, for example to optimally support our partner community. Mm -hmm. And think of partner as someone who writes uh, um, ABAP code and who also wants to onboard customers uh, um, into their environment, into their application offering. Yeah. And we also want to nurture our partner ecosystem, of course. Right? Exactly, yeah. we yeah. grow the ecosystem. Yeah. The idea is that then each and every partner can then write an application, develop an application, move it to a productive space, which yeah. is managed Mm -hmm. on cloud platform by the partner because yeah. they have the knowledge how to run the application yeah. while we are serving the infrastructure mm -hmm. and then there's a simple subscription approach where yeah. customers who are interested could subscribe to the partner service ah, okay. and uh, all of the software lifecycle management yeah. is basically done in the background automatically yeah. Yeah. and customers can very easily onboard yeah. without saying going directly to um, to SAP I think that will nurture yeah. the partner the ecosystem yeah. tremendously yeah. Uh, but this also takes time we have yeah. to take care of the full infrastructure of the yeah. onboarding yeah. processes yeah. etc but SAP will help them to take care of that right? absolutely yeah. so yeah. we'll make sure, sure that the full infrastructure is up yeah. and running mm -hmm. uh, that the partner can focus on their mm -hmm. particular mm -hmm. know-how yeah. and their application logic mm -hmm. so yeah. to speak we'll take care of the full infrastructure and yeah. of the tooling um, and uh, we will dramatically ease up this onboarding process mm -hmm. yeah. for everybody involved. That's one of the bigger items for next year. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of other things 
where we um, uh, continuously invest. Uh, we yeah. have what we call and investment yeah. mm -hmm. um, areas yeah. mm -hmm. uh, that cover the program model, cover the connectivity options, yeah. that uh, cover the user management, identity and access management options. So this is really grouped in many different categories. And yeah. this is the way how we organize our roadmap. And yeah. there's a lot, maybe just to summarize or, or to add this, uh, we'll also have uh, what we call this custom code adaptation tools mm -hmm. that help you to make your code ready for cloud. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And, you know, TechEd is just around the corner. And what can we expect from TechEd this year? Can we also meet you in person, you know, like in Vegas or Barcelona? Absolutely. <laughs> good question. So I'm happy to be there, both yeah. in, in the US and yeah. also in, in Barcelona. Uh, this year, of course, there's a lot of topics that we want to address at TechEd yeah. uh, from the other perspective. We'll talk about strategy and roadmap, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, we'll give you a very thorough introduction into the Apple Press full program model, mm -hmm. both the unmanaged, but now also pretty much the managed scenario will be yeah. in the focus. Um, we'll have also designated sessions. Uh, my colleague Karin Jutlo-Jomo has written a blog on the whole portfolio, we'll have designated sessions on the how to optimize the, your ABAP code for SAP HANA. Mm -hmm. yeah? So that you can really write optimal code now with SAP Specific Copper. for HANA. Specific for HANA, because yeah. we are not dependent on any database any longer, but rather <laughs> full, put the full focus on SAP HANA. HANA. Mm -hmm. And that gives us for the first time now uh, the opportunity to also utilize the latest and greatest capabilities of SAP HANA. I'll give you yeah. a couple of examples. Yeah. For example, the gra graph yeah. uh, engine of mm -hmm. the underlying HANA, the hierarchies, yeah. or things like geospatial data types. Right. These mm -hmm. are all capabilities which are offered on the HANA layer. And now yeah. we can very easily expose and consume them on the ABAP layer. So In that will be a, yeah. a big portion. Yeah. I, I believe like all our listeners are also looking forward to meeting you in attack at I would be, be very happy uh, yeah if, uh, <laughs> and if they have like they specific uh, up up questions then they can also approach you and actually right absolutely. in person <laughs> I'll be there but there's a lot of uh, it's not just myself there's a lot of experts yeah that are hosting the sessions Chance, yeah. uh, we'll have app space experience once again so that yeah. people can very easily onboard and yeah. run the tutorials and we're happy and really are looking forward to meeting you in person and exchange locations. all the ideas. Thank you again for Carl um, giving us like a deep dive into um, up up in the cloud. And thank you. So thank much. you. Have a nice day. Hey, I'm coming back again, and it's still Sandy, and I'm here with my colleague Manju and Yang. Thanks for joining. And how are you doing today? Hi, thanks for giving me the chance to talk here. I'm very good. So good as well. Yeah, cool. Can you share about what your current role is and tell our listeners about who you are? Sure. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, this is Manjunath, Manjunath Baburao, and um, I am the product manager for the uh, backing services that we have on SAP Cloud Platform, basically the services PostgreSQL, MongoDB, Redis, RabbitMQ, and object store services that are available on SAP Cloud Platform. And you might have heard me in other podcasts because I'm also uh, the podcast, uh, 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 I also record podcasts for the uh, social channels from APJ region. So that's me. 
Yeah. yeah, thanks Manchu. So my name is Jan Jan Rumik. I'm the one of the chief development architects of the SAP Cloud Platform and uh, was responsible for multi-tenancy and still um, handling all that stuff there. So my might be that you already learned from me at that point, uh, that topic. And today I um, will also talk about the banking service strategy. Yeah, sounds exciting. So, okay. Let's start it. And um, we all know that SAP has partnered with the most known and most mature um, infrastructure providers like Amazon, AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud Platform. Last year, we even announced the deepened relationship with Alibaba Cloud. We understand our customers have choices so we can leverage the openness of Cloud Foundry to provide customers choice of underlying infrastructure. So it's more like a shift from Neo to Cloud Foundry. And Manju, could you give us the reasons for going towards hyperscalers for baking services? Sure, happy to. Uh, so as uh, we have been talking for quite some while now uh, about the whole core principle of our platform, on openness and freedom of choice for our customers. Uh, the most um, important element that we have been talking about is that our customers today have the choice of choosing their SAP Cloud Platform deployments on the hyperscale or infrastructure provider of their choice. For example, if they wanted to have SAP Cloud Platform on Amazon, uh, they can have it on our AWS data centers, Azure and Google Cloud Platform and so on and so forth. So what has happened uh, in the recent times is that we at SAP Cloud Platform uh, uh, want to brand ourselves to become uh, or want to go towards what is called as a business technology platform uh, in the sense that SAP wants to, fo as a company, wants to focus a little bit higher up the stack, uh, basically on uh, 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 technical platform services and uh, uh, more importantly, business services, so which then uh, helps us become a business technology platform. And uh, in uh, the technology areas which are very, very close to the infrastructure um, like the persistent services, uh, we used to provide certain open source uh, components or commodity components like uh, PostgreSQL, MongoDB, and uh, what is called as the backing services that we have. Uh, so uh, we are seeing that the hyperscalers are investing pretty much heavily on uh, bringing new technology innovations around this area. They are able to uh, bring in uh, uh, features very quickly. They are able to provide a lot more uh, uh, capabilities, which will be very beneficial to our customers. So, uh, I mean, as a product manager, uh, I have been in many such discussions wherein uh, these open source services like Postgre, Mongo, uh, uh, are kind of compared with the corresponding uh, uh, backing services which are available on the hyperscaler like AWS themselves. And uh, uh, during our discussions, it was also quite evident that uh, customers and partners have some sort of a hyperscaler footprint already, apart from their uh, current projects with SAP. So with yeah. all of this, it looked like um, SAP, uh, I mean, uh, it would not be beneficial that we compete in this area. So in this yeah. sense, now we open up the platform so that uh, customers, along with the business services that we provide from SAP Cloud Platform, can get yeah. technology innovations like uh, Postgre, Mongo, and these open source services 
directly from the hyperscalers. So that's the reason. Cool. As you said, like we are investing heavily on making SAP Cloud Platform services available on like all the uh, cloud service providers we are collaborating with. And with MultiCloud, you can basically like develop your applications once and then deploy into different uh, cloud providers, right? And mm -hmm. so we also want to know like, okay, if we take those baking services out of the price list and how does it impact our customers from the commercialization perspective? And could you probably shed some light on it? Yep, sure. I think uh, a lot of our customers would have seen some announcements, uh, some release notes, or some blogs, uh, or one which was actually pushed out by me, that we are retiring uh, the backing services that we had, which is basically Postgre, Mongo, Redis, and RabbitMQ, which were available as SAP managed services. That means we used to manage these services for you. So these have already been retired from our price list starting July 15th. Now, what does this mean? As uh, you asked, Sandy, I would want to make yeah. one thing very, very clear, is that any customer who is already has an existing contract, including these services with us, we will definitely support them completely to the end of the contract, uh, which yeah. means we are not asking customers to now uh, uh, that we will not support it anymore. So if they have contracts uh, going on till 2020, 2021, or even 2024, uh, their contracts will be completely honored by SAP, and we will provide these services till end of their contract. Uh, in saying so, um, uh, uh, if they also want, uh, uh, sorry, if they have entitlements, so they can already use this till the end of their contract. And even if they want something more, uh, what we call as an upsell scenario, uh, more of the same, they have backing yeah. services and they want to uh, purchase more. We are also onboarding these services to the SAP store so that uh, yeah. they can use this low-touch, no-touch channel. Like they can go to the SAP store and buy these services and uh, directly get them into their global accounts. So this is something that we are doing. Uh, but yeah. I also want to make it very clear that uh, the direction, as we have also mentioned, is that we will uh, uh, enable or go towards uh, hyperscaler provided backing services, so it would also be beneficial if in the parallel during the um, uh, contract duration, they already start looking into what does this mean for them for the future. Yeah, so for new projects or significant extensions, then we will recommend using the baking services from hyperscalers in the future and using uh, the cloud foundry environment, right? Exactly. I think uh, Jan will also touch upon uh, uh, yeah. this point, uh, but uh, uh, we are also recommending hyperscaler backing services as uh, an option only, and we are not mandating it. And I think Jan will shed more light into it when he talks. Yeah. And we will talk about it later, I believe. <laughs> okay, so will SAP provide a migration tool to help customers move from SAP managed offerings to hyperscaler offerings? I think most of the customers, they might be interested in this part. Yeah, um, of course, uh, this is a very valid question. Uh, yeah. It's, um, um, uh, and, but I would say it's a little bit uh, service specific. Yes. Um, we would not really provide a uh, out of the box, probably a tool that will yeah. migrate from SAP managed services to hyperscaler services. Um, yeah. um, because I say this because uh, we currently offer four backing services, as I've been mentioning. In yeah. that, we see that when we look at hyperscalers for PostgreSQL, 
we see yeah. that there are homogeneous offerings in our all our hyperscalers which means uh, all our uh, all the uh, corresponding offerings on hyperscalers are one or the other version of uh, postgresql itself so in this sense we have uh, al along with our release of uh, the broker uh, which we recently yeah. announced on august 1st uh, yeah. where we allowed consumption of uh, amazon rds postgresql from the platform we have already released a, a kind of a migration guide uh, which can help customers to take data away from their SAP managed uh, Postgre instances to Amazon RDS instances. And we yeah. will do the same when we release support for other uh, hyperscale providers as well. Uh, yeah. For the other services, this is a little tricky because uh, we do not have uh, homogeneous or one is to one replacements, uh, which means Mongo, uh, uh, it, they may be Mongo compliant, but they yeah. are not exactly MongoDB offerings. And uh, uh, to be quite frank, uh, the uh, playing area is quite open. So the permutations that are there are quite high in number, so which would make it a little um, uh, difficult for us to even come up with any sort of migration. Of course, we support uh, um, uh, uh, exporting data from our SAP managed instances. We will then have to see uh, how what is the target uh, service that the customer wants to get into and then look at how to upload this data from their uh, from the exported data from SAP managed backing services but I would say that if there are any questions or uh, around this migration topic uh, uh, customers should feel free uh, to uh, contact their uh, uh, customer engagement executives or AEs uh, or directly us on Twitter um, uh, Sandy and uh, me also yeah. monitor this Twitter so we can kind of take this question up and uh, route to the right contact and provide you the latest information. Yeah, I think that's understandable. And thank you, Manju, for being nice and honest with us here. And yeah, so let's jump to the um, technical perspective. And Yang, I have some question for you that um, I'm aware that SAP Cloud Platform used to provide like for managed open source baking services, as Manju already mentioned, like PostgreSQL, MongoDB, Redis, Ruby, and Q. And can the developers use HANA um, database, or can they find some alternative services on hyperscalers as well? Yes, thanks, um, Sandy, for this question. So uh, as Manju already said, um, there are plenty of substitute service on the hyperscalers. Yeah? yeah. So for PostgreSQL, we have, for example, all the RDS offerings um, across the hyperscalers. For MongoDB, it would be Amazon DocumentDB or um, um, Azure Cosmos DB. But we have to be aware, and that was also outlined already, there are some differences. And depending on the service, they might be small, like for RDS, it's quite um, PostgreSQL compatible. Uh, for others, it might be huge. Yeah? Yeah. And, 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 and they might, might not also only have a different API, they might, might also behave yeah. differently. Yeah? Yeah. And that means that if you want to support multi-cloud, um, yeah. that means you, you run your application on several hyperscalers, multi-cloud yeah. really becomes challenging. So you have to be sure, you have to evaluate whether you have to adapt the application specifically for the hyperscalers you are running on. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to have this, and I can fully mm -hmm. understand that this might be an issue for you because you have to test your application also several times. So if you want to be multi-cloud capable in future as well, we yeah. recommend to you that you use HANA or enterprise messaging as a substitute. Mm 
Yeah? Yeah. So yeah. go there, evaluate whether HANA can replace Postgres offering, for example, or if you can use enterprise messaging instead of RabbitMQ. Yeah? Yeah. And if you, do, if you can substitute it, go for it, because yeah. then you are still multi-cloud. Yeah. But if not, then they can also consider HANA or enterprise messaging, right? Exactly. They should consider that as well if you want to run on the different hyperscalers. Okay, cool. And how can we like create and manage hyperscaler service instances? Can you also give us some um, details here? Yeah, of course. So yeah. um, we have different prerequisites to, to do it. So yeah. first, we follow a bring your own account strategy. That means everybody creates his own account with the hyperscaler they want to use. Yeah. And with that, we can create in that account a database or customers create in that account by themselves instances. Yeah, I come to that in a second. Um, of course, a lot of responsibilities that were taken care about by the SAP managed services now go over into the development teams. For example, Beckham Restore has to be in the, uh, covered by the development teams, just to mention a few, logging, monitoring, all that needs to be done in the own yeah. account with the hyperscaler. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. It, because of this bring your own account strategy, we also have to expose the um, instances of the databases with public endpoints. Yeah. So yeah. you now have to, we can only see from the cloud platform, these uh, Postgres instances, for example, if these are exposed with public endpoints. There are means by the hyperscalers uh, to provide a more private communication, but we are still in evaluation how that um, can be integrated into our offering. Um, how to consume these services? We have two options. And we have one specific option that is for Postgres, PostgresQL. Um, there we provide, as Manchu also um, introduced, a service broker. So mm -hmm. for this to be used, um, Customers can enter their account credentials into yeah. a secure store in the cloud yeah. platform. We call it resource provider. Mm -hmm. And with that, we can make, uh, the service broker can make use of these credentials and create the service instances in the customer's account. So the, the service broker only provides a control plane. That means the provisioning and deprovisioning of the instance. Yeah. Um, we also integrated some entitlements handling features. So as soon as the account is provided to us, yeah. we uh, provide unlimited entitlements for Postgres and the global account administrator then can, uh, can then um, provide for each sub-account how many instances of a Postgres are allowed to be created in the customer account. So we can say in the sub-account A, where is, where is one application of, of mine, uh, two Postgres instances can be created, and in another sub-account B for another application, five instances can be created, or none, right? And with that, yeah. we provide some control over the costs that are created by the Postgres uh, instantiation. Mm -hmm. um, for all the other services, like MongoDB, Redis, and RapidMQ, or even additional ones that are not talked about uh, in the managed services area, um, customers can already now integrate them. Yeah. First, they have to micro, um, integ integrate them in their account. They have to create instances in their own account manually. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. and they can link them into our Cloud Foundry yeah. with user-provided services. And with that, okay. this yeah. service is available to be consumed in an application. Mm -hmm. There is another option there as well. Yeah. Depends also on how many different services you want to use. Um, there, there are generic hyperscaler service brokers. So on GitHub, yeah. you find, for example, an AWS generic service broker that you yeah. can uh, download and you can host mm -hmm. it, operate it, deploy it in your own Cloud Foundry account, account. Mm -hmm. on yeah. the SAP Cloud Platform. And with that, you can also integrate into the uh, specific hyperscaler service world to instantiate uh, service instances in your own account. So mm -hmm. these two options you gener generically have. Yeah. And the customers can choose either of them, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. Whatever they prefer. Okay. And thank you, Jan, for deep diving into the technical side and very appreciated. And I think like overall is the evolution of SAP Cloud Platform when we say we want to transform to a business technology platform and then we try to retire those uh, SAP managed uh, baking services. And like I say, if you have any questions, um, pre please uh, feel free to reach out to us by on Twitter, or you can also ask questions in the um, developer community and also check out the latest uh, published blogs and breaking services FAQ we publish on website. And thank you so much again um, for Manju and Yang joining me on the show. And yeah, I hope you have a um, great day and enjoy your summer vacation. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bye. Sandy. Thanks for listening to the SAP Cloud Platform podcast. In case you are interested to learn more about SAP Cloud Platform, visit our homepage at cloudplatform.sap.com. The SAP Cloud Platform podcast is powered by OpenSAP. OpenSAP is SAP's innovative learning platform and the thought leader for enterprise massive open online courses. It provides you with an engaging and effective learning experience through gamification and by connecting you with other learners and SAP experts. OpenSAP courses are free of charge and are offered in English. Enroll today in one of our OpenSAP courses at open.sap.com. Thanks a lot and see you!